Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. The weekend is a special time. It's a time of worship for many. It's a time to encourage and to check up on them for accountability and to glorify him. But you have maybe part of a day you got to get some things done around your house, but what an opportunity it is for helping someone else. And so we hope that this program encourages you to be on the lookout for what you can do for others for the glory of God. And Nathan Harper is our co-host. Nathan, others are important to the Lord. It's amazing how many times God uses one another. And uh, he wants us to be a family, a body, a group working together, and it's amazing what we can do together as opposed to just separate by ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, and we are called to be unified with one another in Christ under, you know, under his lordship, in his name, and it's for the purpose of being a witness, shining the light of Jesus Christ into the dark world, and think about the people living in the darkness. There are multitudes of people around the world who either haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ or they haven't heard it in a way that's understandable and clear to the point where they can make a a genuine heart response to God. And so part of the one anothering is is to display God's glory among the nations. When we do that, when we when we're living and active on mission, wherever that might be, another mission field somewhere else, maybe across the other side of the world, across oceans, or maybe just across street or the other side of town, where anywhere there might be some differences between people. Where it talks about others, but what about the other or the others, people that are not like us? When we talk about missions, we talk about cross-cultural work, cultures that are different from one another, and the culture that we are a part of, or you are a part of, and as you as the mission worker, going to another people, another person from another culture. So that's cross-cultural is what we mean. And so any kind of fruitful cross-cultural ministry, there's going to be obstacles before we can get to that fruitfulness. You know, in the Greek language, there's the others of the same kind and others of a different kind. Yeah. And the others of a different kind is always more difficult. Yeah. You know, have you heard that birds of feather flock together? But our comfort zone is uh, we, we protect that a little bit too much, don't we? What is familiar, even negatively, in homes with, you know, Jan and myself doing these family revivals and conferences we do, we talk about returning to the familiar, even though the familiar may be destructive and negative. And so you have to break. In, in there a break that has to come yeah. in your saying, okay, God, you want me to break from my past life, if it's bad, to, to what you have for us. But also in the area of missions, Lord, this is how I grew up. This is who I grew up around. 
and uh, God, you're, you're wanting to expand my territory. Yeah. There, we, we all have cultural baggage. Some of it's good that we want to keep with us. Some of it is negative that we want to keep away from us and, uh-huh. and leave behind. Some of it is neutral to us that it won't matter one way or the other, but the people that we're reaching and, and talking with, it might be harmful for it them. Ma- so makes a difference for them, doesn't it? So that we got to be conscious of all we those things. We can offend people not even knowing we're offensive. Yeah. I, I'm guilty. Yeah, I know. we all are. We all yeah, are. Yeah. Um, one of the talking about comfort zone. One of the prayers I prayed in my life was, "God, take me out of my comfort zone, and then don't let me go back in it." In other <laughs> words, I, and I believe as as a follower of Jesus, living on mission, we should not even have a comfort zone, to the point where being uncomfortable is the new comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I'm always being in awkward, finding myself in awkward situations. Some of it's because I'm just awkward, you know, but some of it is the situation's awkward. And when you're doing cross-cultural work, oh, man. it's always awkward, yeah. okay? So I've been in places, okay, just an example. I've been in a room with a man twice my age from another country. He does not speak a word of English. I did not speak but maybe one or two words of his language, like, hello, and my name is... And, uh, you know, he told me his name and that's all I knew. And we sat there for an hour looking at each other, looking at all the walls, looking at all the pictures (laughs) on the walls, walking around in his room and he's showing me things, but we can't communicate other than just pointing at things and looking and, uh, basically waiting on someone who speaks English to come that wasn't there until I finally realized, okay, they're not coming. I don't have a translator. Did you know how to say goodbye? I didn't even know how to say goodbye. So I just said thank you yeah. and left. And I'm sure it was probably weirder for him than it even was for me. Who's this strange American guy coming sitting in my room? But anyway, so I've been in uncomfortable situations. But it's, some of it's because I've consciously put myself yeah. there. Well, Nathan, I wanted to bring something up. You and I served on the same church on staff together. And one of the highlights that you and I had was going to a to another country and using my gifts and my personality to do what I did. And then you would follow up and go later with a group and do the small groups, how to conduct them and how to do those things. And and it fit together. Mm-hmm. And that's what God does when you do that. And I remember <clears throat> the missionary we worked with. His, he said, I've come here to get you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. That was his, our, our youngest, your youngest brother, my, our youngest son, Micah, was the one that went there first. And he told us about this missionary. And it was just like, man, this is where God wants us for this period of time in our lives. Yeah. And it was life changing for us. But I remember that. He said, you're not here to be in your comfort zone. Yeah. And I mean, so God wants us to break yeah. out of that. Speaking of Nicaragua, that's where you're talking yes. about. That's where I started praying that prayer. Yeah. Uh, Love Nicaragua. And, <laughs> and uh, just a, another quick, funny story. So speaking of being uncomfortable, we were traveling from the mission base about three hours away to uh, to teach and to, and to preach and do some training. And so we had to leave early in the morning. So running out the out of the house real quick. Getting in a Jeep, I, I just grabbed the quickest thing I could grab to eat on the way, and I grabbed a banana. And we had to hurry, so I had my Bible and everything else in my, in my hand, so I just stuck the banana in my pocket. And my idea was to eat it on the way, you know. Well, I forgot about the banana. 
And we we traveled off road, crossing a river in that jeep and bumpy not, roads. Not a bridge, yeah. just the river. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we got to the the church where we were doing the training, and I sat there for a while while somebody taught, and it came my time to get up and teach. So I got up to teach, and uh, I first thing I did was I told a joke, which if you ever go on a mission trip. <laughs> To another culture with another language, don't tell jokes. <laughs> they don't translate, okay? Nobody gets it. So I told this joke, not knowing what I was doing, and everybody just looked at me like, who is this idiot? They, uh, they do that with me that way when they know my language. Go ahead. <laughs> <yeah>. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if it was the joke just wasn't funny or if it was me, but nobody, I didn't get a single response. It was, it was deathly quiet. And so... It kind of threw me off, and I didn't know what to do. I stuck my hand in my pocket to kind of get comfortable, and I felt the smushed, <laughs> nasty banana all in my, inside of my pocket. And I yeah. pulled my hand out and looked, and they realized what had happened. So I just pulled the banana out and set it on the on the floor, <laughs> and they busted out yeah, laughing. That's the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got a, I got a laugh. It was at my own expense. But anyway, so moving beyond all this, what we want to talk about real quickly are. Three universal obstacles in cross-cultural work, and we want to see how we can turn those obstacles into opportunities for the gospel and for fruitfulness. And it doesn't matter what culture, what language. It could be your own language, just a different culture that you're going to. It could be an older person to a younger person. It could be a, a white person with uh, an African-American person. It could I've used be, this as illustration. The greater the difference, the greater the difficulty. Yeah. In other words, when the, the language is the issue, culture is the issue, the whole thing, and the greater, greater the, the harder you have to work, isn't it? Yeah, it is Go ahead. I, I hate to interrupt, no, but go that's ahead. a good principle. So, but there, these are universal obstacles that we all face no matter where we're working and who we're among, working among. So, yeah, let's first kind of set a foundation biblically. If you'll read Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away, and some of the seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop and that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some hundred. This is what God said. All right. So we know the rest of that story that Jesus explains what all those elements of that story represent. We don't want to get into that today, but just really quick there were the general point of this is where the soil was good it was because there was no obstacles for growth the bad soil there was obstacles the thorny sto- soil there were obstacles the rocky soil there were obstacles but the good soil there were no obstacles and guess what happened fruit fruit, fruit was the result so we want to look at overcoming those cultural obstacles There's a quote I want to read from uh, Mark Snowden and Avery Willis. They wrote a book called Truth That Sticks. They say, when conditions are right, receptivity to the message will be high. Okay, so in other words, when there's fewer obstacles, there's going to be more fruit. That's what they're saying. But here's what they go on. They say, if receptivity is not high, then work on the conditions, not the message. We don't change our message. 
we change those obstacles. If there's no fruit, we look at the obstacles that are in the way, and we see how we can overcome those and see them turned into opportunities. So the first obstacle we want to look at is context. Another way of saying this is location. And as we look at context or location, that's the obstacle that we have to overcome, but we focus on people, okay? We want to focus on people, not programs that we're trying to run or platforms that give us an opportunity to speak to them. Our actual focus is on the people themselves. And so the way we overcome this obstacle, I want to give us four Ps to help us focus on people and overcome this obstacle. And I get these four Ps from another book called The Forgotten Ways. It's by a guy named Alan Hirsch. One of them is presence. Presence. In other words, we want to be near people. Wherever you are, be all there. That's what Jim Elliott said. So we want to be near people. That's the first simple thing. We're, we're present with them. The second P is proximity. We're not just near, but we're available. We're, we are, we're open. Our lives are open to, to the people. There's a way you could be near people. You're near your neighbors, right? But you might not even know their name. All right. So we're, we're wanting to go further than that and be proximate. In other words, this is a good definition of proximity. Proximity is closeness to where the people's hurt become your hurt. Mm. The people's joy become your joy. In other words, you can empathize and go through what they're going through. And so, um, man, have we isolated ourselves as churches where we don't even feel the pain of the neighbors? I'm, I'm even talking about geographic neighbors. I know. In the neighborhood that our churches are in, do we even know what people are going through? So we need to be present. We need to be proximate. The third P is powerlessness. This is an important one. When I say powerless, I mean humility. Now, we do walk in the power of of Almighty God. So that's all the power that we need and that, that we'll ever need. But I'm talking about our own human strength and power. Power as financial power. Power as a lot of times, American missionaries go to countries and they have that American passport. There's some power in that. And I'm not saying we get rid of it. I'm just saying we don't utilize it to its utmost potential. We want to actually go with, with our own set of needs, with our own weaknesses, with their own humility. An example, when I was living in Atlanta working with Global Frontier Missions and you know, living next door in a, an apartment complex with Dozens and dozens, hundreds of people from dozens and dozens of countries. I could have easily gotten my car when I, you know, run out of an ingredient or something, or I need something. Just get my car, run down to the store, go buy it. Nothing wrong with that. Or I could knock on my next door neighbor and try in broken and limited English, try to understand, hey, can I borrow a little bit of sugar or whatever it is I might need? Does that make sense? Because that's what they would do with me. They would come in their powerlessness as a new American coming to me who knows the system and knows how things work Fire to get my help. Yeah. Fire alarms yeah, that's your story. house. Yeah. I never will forget it. So in other words, I, I, I also show my weakness and my need so the power of God can be on display in my life. So there's powerlessness. We need to be humble. Okay. And then the fourth P helps us focus on people, overcome this obstacle of context, the location, is proclamation. We, we need to proclaim the gospel at every opportunity. 
We're up front with people. We're not hiding it. Hey, I'm, I'm secretly, I'm a missionary, but to you, you just think I'm this, this neighbor or something. No, we need to tell them, Hey, I, I moved into this neighborhood or I took this job or I started a school here for the ultimate purpose of sharing the gospel with as many people as I can. Can I share the good news of Jesus with you? Being up front. In other words, go by the uh, 30-minute rule. Within the first 30 minutes of a conversation with someone, share the gospel. Try to go in, in the first 30 minutes because after 30 minutes, it becomes harder and harder to bring up Jesus into the conversation. So those are four Ps to overcome the obstacle of context. What we're really talking about is you got to go to where the people are. And, okay. and God will show you, you're either there already yeah. or God will move you there. Right. But either way, there are obstacles to overcome. As someone that's been there for a while and now God is opening your heart to do something about being there, yes. or if you move somewhere new, the obstacles are still real. That's right. Yeah, you don't have to necessarily go to a new place. You can go to the old place with a new perspective and a new attitude. All right, the second obstacle, real quickly, is communication. Okay, communication, another way of saying this is language. Now, obviously, if we're talking about moving to another country, another location, then there, there's probably a really a new language. But sometimes within the same language, there's new ways of speaking, new ways of talking that we need to, to learn and adapt to. But the, what we focus on in overcoming this obstacle communication, communicating the gospel to people. Our focus is on stories. We want to learn to tell stories, not just statements, not just propositions, not just bulleted factual points. Nothing wrong with those, but those don't necessarily communicate to people's hearts. Remember, our focus is on people, and we're going to focus on telling stories. Everybody loves a story, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus told stories. And so that's a good way to, to model our ministry about. So let's try five keys to open this door of uh, this obstacle of communication. As we tell stories, number one, we want to be simple. So we want to tell, uh, and we're, when we talk about stories, I'm talking about Bible stories, okay? I'm talking about telling stories of Jesus, telling your story of what Jesus has done in your life, but primarily just stories of Jesus. You meet someone, hey, you mind if I tell you a quick story about what God is doing in my life? They might say no. They, they're probably going to be interested. So as you tell a story, be simple, memorable, and repeatable. You want them to be able to remember the story and tell somebody else. Second, you want to be unexpected in how you tell your story. Keep it surprising. The most unexpected story of all is the good news of Jesus Christ how God himself would send his son to die for us in our place, and then on the third day rise again, talking about surprising, just telling that story. I remember sitting in a car after a teaching a driving lesson with a middle-aged Indian lady. She was Hindu. And I think she talked about, uh, she was talking about hope, like she was hoping for something, and she didn't have much hope about this will happen, and I don't remember exactly what she was talking about, but the word hope just kept coming in my mind. So I said, you mind if I tell you where I find my hope in life? Oh, yeah, t please tell me. And I just told her the story of Jesus, how he came as God's son, 
lived a perfect life, died on the cross to take away our sins, and was raised again on the third day. And that's where my hope comes from, is that Jesus is alive. And I put my hope in him that I will one day live eternally with him. And, you know, she was surprised about that. She's, wow. I've never heard that before. That's amazing. And so the gospel is, is surprising and unexpected. The third, as we tell stories, we want to be concrete. We want to use everyday language of the people of that culture. So we give credence to their context, give credence to their culture. Jesus did this. In the story we read in Mark 4, he talked about the birds and the seeds. They were in a farming community, and he talked about farming. Paul did this wherever he went, especially when he was in Athens. He talked about the things he saw in their culture and context. So we want to be, use concrete language. Fourth, we want to be credible. In other words, we have to have an integrity to our lives that our words match up with what we're, how we're living, our walk and our talk align. Yeah, I've heard your life speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah. There's got to be, uh, there got to be a meeting place. There That's needs right. to be agreement on that. A, a quick example is in, in Muslim context, Muslims will not put the Quran, their, their book, scripture book, on the ground. They always keep it in a high place. They don't even take it to the bathroom to read. They, they keep it away from anything that would be seen as, quote, unquote, unholy. And so if a Muslim comes to, to my home and I know they're coming, I make sure any copy of the Bible I have, I put it on a high shelf, a high place. I don't leave it on the ground or on my seat because they know I talk about the Bible and they know I teach the Bible and they know I share stories from the Bible with them. But I want there to be integrity with, I believe the Bible, so I'm going to keep it. Have it in high regard. Yeah. And so that's a simple thing. It might even sound silly, but it, it makes a big deal to their culture and their context. The fifth thing is be emotional. You want to speak to the heart, and that's what stories do. They don't just stop in your head and give you head knowledge. They penetrate to your heart, and your heart leads to action, leads to your hands. And we want people to hear the stories and then do something and, to, and respond in faith and, and, and with action. So. Yeah, we're focused on telling the stories of the Bible, of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and that helps us to overcome this communication barrier. The third obstacle, third barrier, is culture or lens. When I say lens, that means how people see the world. Another word for this is worldview, right? You've heard of this, right? right? Can you give us a quick definition maybe of description of what a worldview is? The worldview comes from an idea of how you view things in the context. Do you view it through spiritual eyes? Do you view it through agricultural eyes? Do you view it through secular? And we're that's a big debate right now, what the world is seeing. And it's how you view life. Yeah. It's really what I think life is from, how I treat life, how it's treated me as well. And all those determine your view of life. Yeah. So when we talk about crossing cultures, in America, a lot of the cultures that we come in t- contact with in America are from that secular background and worldview. But when we talk about globally around the world, most of the cultures that we come from or we talk to come from three basic worldviews, one of three primary worldviews, either honor and shame, right, power and fear, okay, or, uh, or guilt and innocence. 
Western culture generally is from guilt and innocence, but there's really been a shift lately. Younger generations are becoming more honor-shame focused than guilt-innocence. And so that's a big cultural gap that we're experiencing in our own country, in our own society today. But most unreached people groups, we talk about unreached people groups, 90% of unreached people groups are actually from honor-shame cultures, and they have that worldview. So this, this is a harder obstacle because it takes time spent with the people, takes a lot of time st- telling stories with the people, and we have to adapt the stories to their worldview so they can understand it clearly and with, you know, make a true heart response to the gospel. So here's how we do it. We look for these three opportunities. First, we want to build bridges. That means finding common ground, maybe finding redemptive analogies from their culture that we can use that point to Jesus or paint pictures of the gospel. Any points of agreement or similarity of their stories that they tell from their traditions that remind us, hey, that sounds like a Bible story. I'll tell this Bible story next. So we're looking for bridges. Also, we're going to be looking for barriers, and we're mainly talking about barriers to belief. There's a lot of barriers in every culture. In each individual's heart, there's barriers to their believing in Jesus. We need to find out which one of those needs to be addressed immediately, which could be put off till later to deal with. Some should just be ignored. That's just not really important. And I'll just not address that right now and see what God does with it. So there's barriers. And for like my, the lady I talked about, that was a Hindu lady in the car. And she, her, her barrier, she didn't know how she was coming up with hope. But I have hope because I found it in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus. So I dealt with that. I didn't ignore that. I, I wanted to. You didn't answer a question she wasn't asking. That's right. So the third thing we want to look for is gaps, gaps in their worldview where their system of belief doesn't deal with things. It ignores it or pretends it doesn't exist. And so we want to introduce those new concepts of the gospel into their worldview. Because the Bible has answers. Yeah. The Bible. That's right. It's not, quote, an answer book, but it does have answers for our greatest needs, don't they? Yeah. And so, like, for example, a Muslim person, they believe in resurrection but they have no basis for believing in resurrection. There's nothing in the Quran that talks about resurrection. Hmm. You know where resurrection comes from? It comes in Jesus. And so we talk about Jesus being raised from the dead to a Muslim person, and that's introducing a new concept, and and it fills in a gap for them. doesn't mean there's automatic belief when you overcome these obstacles. It's a long faithfulness in doing this that will uh, produce fruitfulness. It's given the opportunity, though, right, Nathan? It is. It is. So the context of location got to be overcome. The area of communication, which can be very big and wide or it may be smaller, and then the idea of culture, how you view what the worldview is. Nathan, thank you for sharing that with us, and I pray you would overcome the obstacles that are keeping you and me from sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in a, in a way that would draw them in to want that peace that passes all understanding. Thank you again, Nathan. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Exploring Missions here on the American Family Radio Network. We pray that you would be on mission for God as you look for opportunities to build these relationships, to share Christ with a world that is in desperate need of the Savior, Jesus Christ.